Hi, hello, and welcome to Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bume, and in this week's episode, I sat down with Amelia Diamond, who you may know as one of the heavy hitters here at Man Repeller. Her official title is Deputy Editor, which in actuality means she does a lot of everything around these parts. This chat was recorded in my kitchen. It's a good one, and I really enjoyed it. So let's get into it. like oh that's cool and all right what's what's for lunch yeah and then you're like just like a greek a greek sampling platter greek just cubed meats (laughs) (laughs) where did you grow up i grew up it's it's the most complicated story Mm, okay let's go so fun on dates okay i was born in new york city Mm -hmm. in hell's kitchen Mm -hmm. and then my family, my mom, and my dad moved to Jersey when New I was Jersey uh, Bloomfield, okay. which is like outside of the city. Actually, here's a fun fact about Bloomfield is the there's a candy shop there called Holstein's. And I think that that's where Tony Soprano, spoiler alert, dies. No. Yeah, I think so. In the final episode. Well, no, in the, in, in the final episode, they're in the diner. Oh, well, that's Holstein's. Oh. Oh, so they filmed it in there, but it's not the candy shop in... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They filmed it in there. It it is a diner. It's like a grilled cheese, like little booth. Yeah, that's... Anyway, that's in Bloomfield. Well, and also technically, I don't want (laughs) to diverge here, but like we don't really know if they died. Oh. There's all these different theories surrounding it. My personal theory that I like to, you know, subscribe to is that um, they whacked the viewer Uh, because we knew too much. What? You know, that's like some M Night Shyamalan stuff right uh, there. That's a little bit. You're giving a little too much credit to M Night Shyamalan, okay. but like <laughs> he that because we knew everything and oh, we knew too much, Jay. so we had to be whacked. That's why we're just watching them, and then all of a sudden, we didn't even see it coming. Oh my god, you just blew my mind because I just got whacked. Yeah. Wow. That's what it is. Oh. I know. That's what I think it is. Anyway, Holsteins. Yeah, tell him. Wow. Well, so, okay. Jeez, man. Okay. Is that too much? Do we need a second? I don't know. I have to go. (laughs) I have to leave. I have to leave. Um, Okay. We moved there when I was like, I don't even know, still a baby. And then my parents got divorced. I always say three. I could make that number up or be making that number up. And then. So you grew up in different places? Well, here's where it gets tricky. So then my mom, I guess around three or four remarried to my stepdad nice guy yeah great guy moved to san francisco um and so i with i went with her and so i grew up in san francisco in san francisco like proper yep in the city oh what what neighborhood it's called noe valley yeah you know it yeah yeah my aunt and uncle live out there not in noe valley but where do they live they live in they live in marin oh okay but you know i spent so much time up there yeah growing up I didn't spend any time in Marin. Oh, no, no, but I, not but in Marin, but I mean like in San, San Francisco. Yeah, fine. All right. <laughs> um, no, Marin's super beautiful. Like if you actually want nice weather, that's, I'll go into that later. But San Francisco did not have the nice weather when I grew up that it has now. What? Why? I don't, I, climate change or something. Really? But there, seriously, with all this drought happening, which is super sad, and I'm very sorry for San Francisco. When I grew up there, in my mind, it just rained. It was like a Seattle. It just rained all the time. Wow. Yeah. That could have also been like my teenage angst. but So you spent your entire childhood growing up in, in San Francisco? My whole childhood. But I, but my dad stayed in Jersey. And so I spent all my summers with him. Where in, in, where in Jersey? Same house. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, in Bloomfield. And then, so I spent summers with my dad. Grew up with my mom. My dad would, he's a professor. And so he would spend his breaks in san francisco with me and i have family on both coasts and i just like swapped thanksgivings and christmases and it i I guess it's super weird but it's really normal for us what was your experience like growing up in san francisco um you know okay i mean incredible and it's so funny I, i look back on it now with such like a fond and like like deep nostalgia as most people do yeah but I think I mean maybe everyone feels this way about their hometowns and I'm just glorifying it but I sort of look back on San Francisco as like this 
like a like a past like love or ex-boyfriend that like I didn't appreciate mm-hmm. in the time like I I think growing up there I was very like just didn't take advantage of the city in the way that like people my age do now how so like how would you have liked to have done it differently well I let I left the city every weekend because I ride horses. So I would be out in like sort of like Silicon Valley area, basically riding. And I spent so much time out there. I mean, and I had, I mean, I had so, and I didn't spend summers in San Francisco. So I don't think I ever had like, we like free time mm-hmm. out there. Um, and when I started to go back in college for those breaks, it was like family time, catch up time. And like, I really, really, really ever, explored the city in the way that some of my like city friends did or the way that like I have with New York city, Mm -hmm. just sort of like, Hey, let's go here. I've never been to this museum. Let's check this restaurant out. Like it was very small town. Like I had my restaurants, I had my friends, like, you know, the bars we snuck into the parks we hung out at. It was like the same routine. And so I just, I have friends who have moved out there now uh, of all different groups. Like that's the thing about how I grew up is I have like lots of funny friends who wouldn't all be, friends with one another again i guess everyone has that they do some you know if some people are lucky enough to yeah totally opens up your perspective but it's really cool watching all of them have these very unique and different experiences from me and my group of san francisco Mm -hmm. friends so you were leaving to ride horses every weekend Mm -hmm. where did that come from because this is also the thing like i've known some people growing up people like people don't like if people are into horses they're Mm -hmm. not casual about it nope like people are obsessed (laughs) with like riding horses yeah and just you know talk to me like i don't know anything you know like i don't know what i'm talking about but like what what is the thing why why do people are why are they so obsessed with horses or you know i just this isn't even for the podcast like i'm just like trying to understand yeah i don't so when i first started riding i think i was eight and it was actually because i was visiting my dad in Jersey every summer, Mm -hmm. but I didn't do anything when I was there. Like I was a pretty unactive kid. I like loved video games and McDonald's and it's great. Never. If I had known you back then, I would have said never change. (laughs) Never change. I mean, I'm like the easiest kid to babysit. I just like wanted to like not move in the air. What were your favorite video games? Do you remember? Just like super Mario brothers. And I loved Yoshi or Mm -hmm. when Yoshi got his Mm -hmm. own, I don't know. And donkey Kong, donkey Kong, I think was my number one. I can beat just, you know, not to brag, but uh, I can beat Super Mario 2 in 16 minutes. What? Yeah. I always saw Mario on Yoshi's back and Mm -hmm. I was like, what is that? Seriously? No. So (laughs) I I didn't do anything. And my mom was probably terrified for my cholesterol levels as an eight-year-old and was like, Amelia needs an act. Are you a large child? (laughs) No. (laughs) I wish. I mean, in my mind, yeah. (laughs) I was, I had... You know, I, I, in my mind, I looked like, um, I definitely had a phase like fourth grade where I looked like chunk from the Goonies, mm-hmm. like the girl version. It's a strong look. Oh, I, it's like, a very strong look. It was like, however old you are at that age, like, but like a dad bod little mm-hmm. girl. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of it. I ate McDonald's yesterday. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Oh gosh. And it was so good. McDonald's I wasn't even expecting fries. it. Uh, my friend brought it back to the house. I was just like, this is wow. the best. Wow. Um, all right, so... Okay, I... My mom basically was, like... Because, like, I guess picture a mom. My mom was, like, very health-conscious, very active. My dad is, like, a bachelor. He used to send me to school when he would pack my lunches. When I still lived in Jersey, I would get, like, baggies of, like, sliced pepperoni. And, like, those little pickles. And my mom would send me, like, hummus before people ate hummus and before it was, like, packaged. Right. Like, Whatever. So she was like, I want you to, I I want Amelia to have an activity. And my mom used to ride. And like, I really was kind of like an awkward kid, like not great at cat, you know, no hand-eye coordination. But video games. Wasn't that good at it. Remember? (laughs) Oh, so you, so what, you played them a lot, but you weren't that good. No. And and, um, also like, I don't know that hand-eye coordination in a video game counts for like being able to catch a ball. Uh, no, I guess that those aren't one and the same, but it's you develop some sort of coordination, right? Well, let's. I, there's probably some tests I could take. Hand to f- mouth. Fry. Hand to mouth is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> like the ability to not seizure and flashing lights. So I, she was like, I used to ride horses. Maybe Amelia will like that. There was like a nearby riding academy camp, and 
I remember someone saying to my dad, like, careful, like, you know, once she gets hooked, like, and he was like, this kid's not going to like this. It's going to be hot and smell right. and like it's active. And I, just like you said, like, I don't know, you, they say you either get the bug or you don't. And I just like got it instantly. It was just like, oh my God. And I think like I was not like good at it, but it instantly was like, wow, like this is something I, I don't instantly suck at. Mm. Like I kind of understood it. And horses are pretty, I'm going to sound like a freak right now. Horses are pretty like magical things. Like they're, I sound so lame, but they're like, there's something impressive about how big they are. I think like in the same way that people are like, Oh, I love elephants. It's Mm -hmm. like, why do you love elephants? Who What did an elephant ever do for you? But it's the same thing. There's something about like their size and maybe like an eight year old girl. I don't know. It's, um, I'm not sure what it is, but I can tell you that like it changed my life. I became so truly the word is right. Obsessed with it. Like in fourth grade, I used to always get made fun of cause I like ran like a horse everywhere. And (laughs) Like in gym class, and I, like I remember, I had like a PE teacher who you know called me like horse girl, and I had we had a horse girl in our school too. Oh, well, that was me, and, and I, I'm and I'm and I'm sorry. It's okay that I was a part in making fun of her. I think I feel bad. I think I like I think I kind of owned it. Like I liked that it it totally separated me from everyone, and I like in a way that I liked. Like I was the same like, thing happened with a girl in my school too. Really? There's probably all of these girls, horse girls, horse girls. It's like your thing, and yeah. it's really nice to have a thing. And it's hard for people to get that. Yeah, you know. I guess. I mean, it is pretty. It's weird. Like if someone was like, you know, like bird kid, that's pretty <laughs> weird. I kind of was bird kid too. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had growing up a bur- a cockatiel named Webster uh-huh. that my mom found in this district called Alameda and um like found and that was my bird and then I had a chicken named Jonathan uh for a little bit did he live indoors or outdoors indoor chicken indoor chicken mm-hmm. how was that great were you a vegetarian no would you eat chicken yeah while you had a live chicken in the house that you had affection for. Don't think it. Yes. His name was Jonathan. I don't think it. I don't think I correlated the two. Chicken only lasted for a little while. Oh. Yeah. There was a chicken incident. What? <laughs> All right. Can you please explain the chicken incident? Um, yeah. Is uh, it serious? Because if it's serious, I feel bad. I was cleaning my room and the chicken used to follow me everywhere because it was a baby chicken. It had like imprinted on me and I was cleaning it. And I really want to say it was before my first communion, another holy day. Mm-hmm. And my grandma was coming the next day. And so I was like, so I have this chicken and he's following me around. I'm cleaning my room. And my stepdad used to, he, he's an architect and maybe all offices had this. When is this? The nineties yeah. had like that paper, that, attached that was all attached to itself and you could rip off oh i used to love to play with those it was of the old dot matrix printers i guess and no that's what oh, it that's was. what it was <laughs> and so and i have always been like a big drawer like mm-hmm. a drawing kid and so he used to just bring me boxes of endless paper basically so i had these boxes all over my room and i was moving one and they were super heavy and i was i don't know how old are you in second grade seven yeah and i was i was holding it up this box and jonathan was being super annoying and i was like jonathan stop following me and stay under the bed and I turned my back it was too heavy and I dropped it there was a little peep and that was the end of my chicken and I don't think in my whole 27 years I've ever been in more trouble thank you for the moment of silence that was for Jonathan thank you pour one out yeah it was super traumatizing and probably messed up because of it oh my goodness did you ever have nightmares about it? Like, do you relive that moment ever in your dreams? No. <laughs> I really worked through it, I guess. That's great. Maybe because, like, I had a religious ceremony the next day. <laughs> Growing up in San Francisco, you know, what kind of kid were you? Were you f- finding ways to get in trouble? Were you well-behaved? No. I was, to this day, I think I hate nothing more than getting in trouble by anyone especially my parents, but I hate it. Why? I don't know. It's like my, 
I mean, I think you're supposed to, right? That's probably a sign of high intelligence. Um, yeah. (laughs) No, I have no clue. Like my parents weren't even that strict or like, you know, like my, my dad was super not strict Yeah. and my, my mom was strict, but like always in like a, I'm disappointed and let's discuss this kind of way. Never in a way that would merit like being terrified of your parent for any other reason. But it was like, I didn't want to be in trouble with teachers, friends, friends, parents. Like I still don't like to be in trouble. If I think like I piss off like someone, you know, at the MTA, I'm like, Oh God, like I just hate it. That's wild. And that's like a self-imposed. Totally. I just don't like to be in trouble. And so anyway, I, I really, I think the, my like forms of rebellion were in different ways. So like I went through like a really lame punk phase where that's not lame. No, no. The punk uh, one's punk phase in life is not lame. Mine probably was, but well, please explain. Just, I mean, it's just like, so like mall punk. And I thought I was so like hardcore and I used to like, you know, like watch SLC punk and like quote it. And it's a great movie. I didn't sell out. I bought in. It's the best movie. Matthew Willard. Matt, you know, they're making a sequel Shines. to it. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't, I don't necessarily like that. Weirdly. I think like, so I think that was the only way. Cause then I could be like, Oh, like I'm so punk. But like, do they have malls in San Francisco that you can hang out in? Or when you say mall punk, are you like, so my mall, so my punk phase i think was influenced by my jersey summers yeah and that makes sense yeah and like because totally because that was like this uh, there was like this venue on bloomfield ave that i used to always go to i don't even know if it's there anymore i think called bloomfield ave cafe and like Mm -hmm. we would like go to shows and i mean this was later i guess and i would see like a lot like anything like my friends and i would just go like ska bands and like so much ska in new jersey in the 90s so much so much ska i guess was a, was i was in a ska band in the 90s in new jersey you were of course what was your ska band called it was called uh new jersey skank squad that's amazing i was just telling someone about skanking and they were like what is that and i was like it's a dance it's a dance <laughs> and it's a great dance and it's underappreciated it's a dance of joy and celebration and happiness <laughs> so i guess that was my only but i wasn't rebellious and like I dyed my hair and I like, you know, asked my mom about it. I was like, can I dye my hair? And she like took me to do it. And they were super supportive. Like, I think I have the type of parents that made it pretty hard to rebel. Like they're, they're very much like, yeah, like explore, like learn, figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, th- but just like, but don't get arrested. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's relationships with their parents are complicated, but also like necessary to who you've become i think especially at this age i'm very much like i've gone through phases where i'm like wow like i'm so like not jealous but like it's so cool you and your parents interact this way but i'm like Mm -hmm. but my me and my parents needed to interact our way for me to become for me to literally be sitting in this chair right now as like hippy dippy everything happens for a reason as that sounds but yeah i mean seriously my parents i think are very supportive people who Mm -hmm. both had really interesting backgrounds and really truly in every sense of the word like just want to see me succeed but like also be a good person and I yeah I think they like helped me to be really creative like I was I was so weird when I was younger and then you know in high school like I kind of like kicked the punk phase Mm -hmm. and like and then where'd you go did you become a raver no, I wasn't a, a raver. San Francisco raver? No, no, no. I wasn't a raver, but I was very, like, you know, I really craved normalcy. Like, I remember, I, like, you know, I wore Abercrombie, and I, I went to, like, a private school, but my friends and I, so we had uniforms, but mm-hmm. my friends and I, I remember, like, after seeing Mean Girls, we didn't want to be Mean Girls, but we, like, thought it was so cool that they, like, wore pink on Wednesdays. And so <laughs> we were like, wait, we should, like, we should do that. And, like, we, like, started, like, doing our hair again for school. And, like, I think I just my one of my best friends in high school and I used to wish that we lived in Texas because we wanted like Friday night light football and we wanted to be on a cheerleading squad and we just I think I don't it was so we wanted this like small we wanted to be able to like drive down the street past our crush's house instead of like taking the bus 10 stops and transferring and See, this is amazing to hear because, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, which I'd say was like more along that line. And like right. all we wanted was just to get the hell out of there I know. and get into the city and just like live in a place where we could be with a bunch of other weirdos. Yeah. And we wouldn't be considered weirdos because we that was the normal. Right. 
That's so funny. So you were like, you you were like fantasizing about normcore. Totally, I was totally fantasizing about normcore. That's it's, amazing. And then I would go to Jersey, and then I would be, and then which kind of was that? But yeah. you know, then I would like go to Jersey, and suddenly I would be like, well, I'm from San Francisco, so <laughs> of course. And then you know, I don't know. It's so weird to think about who you were then. Did you have any siblings no. growing up? You didn't. No, only child. Yeah. So Me my too. you really? Uh huh. Do you? Do, my friend Gabby says maybe you do this. She thinks I like collect like close friends because she thinks I'm missing <laughs> siblings. I do that 110. percent Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of trouble happened when, you know, growing up when you kind of want those kinds of sibling mm-hmm. style relationships with right. your friends, but the thing is they already have their own siblings. They have their own brothers and sisters. They don't. And then so like I would get mad when I kind of like wouldn't get that. That reciprocation look. that kind of you know the of like the kind of style of relationship that you want to have but right. you know now looking back i can realize like you know where i went wrong yeah but i did you Oof. know i did like what is that too intense no i just feel you it's that thing where being an only child's cool and it's, there's great things about it but i just i love a good sleepover yeah <laughs> you know yeah i always did it was like my favorite thing in the world me too it was like the closest thing to like you know waking up and being like oh my god there's other people here my age yeah or like around my age like this is crazy like, what are we gonna do now yeah. yeah i totally had that and then somewhere along my time i turned into like a cranky old person and now i mean i love my friends but i have it's like i still i cherish these like deep strong friendships with people mm-hmm. that I've had like from childhood that I still have um but I like don't need to really I'm just like oh like no I don't I can't talk on the phone ever <laughs> or like um yeah you could come over or I'll see you in a oh, week oh no I know I'm kind of that friend oh boy I mean I see everyone but like I'm not I'm not so I'm pretty like I'm very antisocial for a very social person I totally get the feeling yeah I have to, I have to take like drugs to be able to go right across that river. <laughs> but that's the only I'm serious, thing I do. too. I do. I have to like, I have like serious anxiety issues. Like, and I'm just like, where did this come from? From li- from, from being able to have alone time whenever you want it. Yeah. Growing, like I think. But see, the thing is I hated alone time. I always love, like I always, you know, there was a good, like probably like seven or eight years where like I didn't spend like a single moment alone. Really? Yeah. And I, I, I did that not. I didn't have like a grand plan of what that's what I wanted to do, but I definitely did that on mm-hmm. pur- on purpose, you know, just always being around people, never like being alone right? by myself. I didn't like it. I like being around people, but now that I'm like spend more time alone, I can't deal with it. I had to go, I had to go meet a friend for dinner with this huge group of friends for dinner in like the East village on Friday night. And like, I was just dreading it all day right? because it's like the idea of just like, going in there with that energy i know which i used to like crave i used to love i used to like be a part of and i just i can't just if i can it drains you it gets to me i know exactly you know? what you mean it's just like a day of just like mentally f- preparing yourself but do you think it's a city oh uh, yeah yeah i do i do to a certain extent you know because you know uh you know i spend a lot of time in a lot of other places and like but also i mean like you know i'm going out to la in a week and i'm like already like freaking out Really? About like, what are we going to have to do? Like, who are we going to have to see? Like, but it's like, I'm volunt- voluntarily going there. Right. It's, no, just, I, I can't you. win. Acupuncture yeah. helps. Really? Acupuncture. I've tried so many, so many things. Acupuncture has been the thing that like was worked the best for me. Acupuncture and medicine. For anxiety in general. Uh-huh. That's so interesting. Leandra and I have been talking about anxiety a ton recently. I'm just like, we're literally in an email chain right now. Like, what do I do? It's just, it is, it's like the worst because, um, it doesn't present itself in a way where people can understand what's going on with you mm-hmm. because it's all in here. Right. So it's not like someone can be sensitive to it. Right. Because they don't know what, what's really going on in your head. Yeah. Also the word anxiety, I mean, I've never been diagnosed with it, but for sure I have it. But, but to that, the word anxiety, I think it's thrown around so much right mm-hmm. now. Like in pop culture our generation like it's just used all the time that you sort of always feel like i'll have such anxiety about this like i have so much anxiety i have so much anxiety to the point where i think it becomes diluted and people are like that that anxiety is the new word for i'm stressed right which yeah the whole world's stressed but i think that feeling of anxiety is like a 
it's like a pressure hold on, like on your chest or wherever mm-hmm. you feel it and it can be like <gasps> paralyzing it's very paralyzing yeah it's just uh, it's hurtful and like you know i spend i spend a lot of time you know upstate and that's like very nice and if i didn't have to live here i don't think i would really mm-hmm. but then there's like certain like there's always like those moments where you're like oh man thank god i live here told <laughs> the other they just <laughs> trap you those moments they just trap you they the keep you in the game because we all have stockholm syndrome in this city <laughs> it's so gross and the other day well to the, the anxiety thing where you said you go upstate like that's for sure riding has like is the one thing that is like calming to me like good. writing and like drawing like anytime when you can escape your head and not be like in warrior pose three wondering like how your butt looks but oh, so you still draw a lot i do well not like not to the point where i need paper that could kill a chicken okay but um i do draw i used to do it compulsively like i basically like i used to like probably wouldn't be able to talk to you without like absent-mindedly mm-hmm. doodling but that has fully stopped now i have to like force myself as like an exercise and relaxation to draw and then that's a whole other thing that's like oh i gotta get out my pencil and, you know what uh, just to switch gears a little bit what you know growing up were there people that you looked up to and emulated people that you know, we kind of talked a little bit about like, you know, your, your childhood, but, and a little bit like kind of like of what was going on during like your teenage years, but you know, well, I think I wrote such a freak. I think I wrote a call, like an, some essay, some college essay must've <laughs> asked me about this. I guess it feels like I was, it, fe- okay. My, me looking back on this now, like, I feel like I was too old to have an idol like mm-hmm. that but i guess you're really not when you're 17 or 16 i mean not even an idol someone where you know you saw somebody who's doing something and you're like i love what this person's doing yeah this is something that i think i'd like to do my backwards reflection of it just feels so like nerdy and fangirly that i can't believe i was that old but like i said i guess you're whatever um my tr- my horse trainer her name is tracy weiser um i think at the time i just looked at her as like this like cool older sister it was totally always like the older sister thing and um i thought she was super smart she used to be a news anchor like a local one but and i think she studied journalism and but then she took this other path and she was a beautiful rider was super competitive i I rode competitively and she was you know had a professional license and i just thought and she was very poised and calm about everything and I've never been that way so I think just like her approach to the world and her demeanor was impressive to me in the way and she was just like I will I will tell everyone everything accidentally and like I wish I could hide more Mm -hmm. you know she was very like had a wall in like this really elegant poised and reserved totally like if someone meets me right now and they're like who are you dating I'm like sit down (laughs) here we go like I'll, I'll do it to someone on the subway yeah but you know she would be like you know and oh god like i used to i still value that in people it's so cool yeah um like when carolina herrera in the i don't know if it was yeah, the yeah. chat room and she says like you have to have secrets and leandra was like oh man like i totally got leandra's like thinking there because i was like yeah i wish i was that elegant to like keep things inside but see this is the thing it's like you never had to hide any information from anyone i guess uh, being an only child so <laughs> it's just like you you're, you you share that information as yeah. a way to bring people closer to you i guess that's very true i mean that's what i do yeah it's just like really manipulative i'm like i tell you some stuff <laughs> i'm gonna bring you in now we're in now <laughs> we're in you're in this together yeah your partner in crime yeah jay that's what I, that's what's happening here <laughs> um yeah but so her but it was definitely like I think she just like exuded confidence and cool and like everything and also had this profession that I was sort of thought I wanted to do mm-hmm. like not like you know in the horse world but her and then my cousin Sarah who is same thing like for sure like big sister syndrome she just was like always obviously always older than me never could catch up <laughs> Oh boy! Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> I was with my dad this weekend, so my jokes are not—they're not of my uh, genre or age group. My age. Your caliber. 
they're yeah they're probably my caliber uh-huh. i just more suited right now for like a 60 something year old audience i'd make a killing so in 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 line with with uh with this woman that you looked up to mm-hmm. when you're in high school when you're getting ready to go on to the next stage next phase was there a path that you wanted to take did you have an idea in your mind of what you wanted to do or where you wanted to end up um no i think <laughs> i think i was slightly idealistic but in like a broad sense like i had a vision of mm-hmm. what things would look like but the specifics weren't really figured out like i in my mind had like this like east coast brick building with ivy on it college on specific as long as it sort of looked like hogwarts okay and i knew i get this is gonna i guess i always like wanted to be like smart or be seen as smart but like in a way that was like well i'm smart or academic smart like i are taken seriously i'm not really putting this well but i think in san francisco like i went to a good like a good school with like a good education but like the goal was like everyone did not go to ivy leagues or like you know kids kind of like went to like sf state or like totally like everyone was like had like these like great but like normal no shame in that game none you know i went to a state school yeah, everyone does. Like, it's like my dad teaches at like there, like nothing, none of that. Your dad I, teach at Rutgers? No, at Montclair State. Oh, Montclair State. Yeah, okay. and um, but I guess in my mind I like had this like not it wasn't like grandeur, but it was like a little something more, like a little bit of that like I told you like reverse small town thing. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to like leave and go to I think it was I wanted to do something completely different from everyone else, and um, like it was like everyone thought it was super weird for going to school in New York. Everyone went to school in California. Where in New York did you go to school? It's called Saint Bonaventure. Saint it's Bonaventure. an hour south, or yeah, like an hour south of Buffalo, I think, or it's like between Buffalo and Rochester in like this weird triangle. Okay. And beautiful but, weather there. Yeah, just like <laughs> always tan. <laughs> um, but sorry, so I'm sort of rambling. No, no, no. But the I, path that you wanted to yeah, take. Yeah, you know? I don't think I ha- like. I had a clear vision of what I wanted it to look like, but within that vision, with within this like set, like literally like a movie set I'd created, the specifics weren't so figured out yet. Mm-hmm. I knew I think I like wanted to involve writing, but what does that mean when you're in high school? Right. You know? So you're filming the movie without a script. Totally, I was. Yeah. What a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Uh, what's it called? Metaphor. I was. I guess. And. I kind of winged it for as much as I think I like pretended I wasn't winging it or like didn't know I was winging it. And I went to the school kind of randomly. And what made you choose it? I, I, no, I'll go, I always say, I feel like bad to my alma mater saying this, but I think I was like, I was like just snorting glue when I was applying. Like I just wasn't paying attention in the way that like you're, I would never let my kid apply to schools in the way that I did, which was like, like, I just like th- there is sort of where I like if I had a parent to be like you should you need to go to right, Yale right. like um but they're kind of like well like whatever works for you and like yeah this sounds great and like so I mean I applied to Brown I remember mm-hmm. that and I applied to like some California schools they didn't really want to go to and then like a Providence randomly I like think I got this very romantic oh yeah that was a big thing I had like this very romantic idea of like Rhode Island in my head which is so ironic uh-huh. my mom moved there now and totally not what I pictured and um, I was just my, I had a teacher that, or a guidance counselor. I guess was, I was like, you probably need a safety school. I was like, yeah, I don't think I need a safety school. <laughs> I think I'm all good. I'm pretty Thanks. good. Um, but I fully blew my SATs. Like I am surprised that my SATs didn't send like my professor, my teachers, my high school teachers and parents like into alarm. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think they were good. I have a memory. This is, I'm totally rambling, but I basically yeah, like met my, my last roommate of the past four years, who was like one of my best friends because I was like taking my SAT so poorly. It's another story. But anyway, so I like, I basically, I, I think I applied to college just thinking I was like a 4.5 student with like a billion extracurriculars when, re- when really I was just like a regular kid who's like teachers liked me. Yeah. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so then I got like hit with like reality and it was just like, no, like you didn't get into Brown and like, yeah, you kind of have to go to, this random school that you didn't think you'd have to go to. Mm-hmm. But I really think everything happens for a reason. Like I went there, I was kind of like, whoa, like I'm not sure this is for me, but made s- some of the best friends I'll have for the rest of my life. Yeah. 
like hands down such a cliche had like such a cliche college experience in the best way like in the way I think it's so important to have especially if you've been growing up in a city and are craving whatever that you is tie a sweater around your neck totally and no i'm like go hang out on the quad yeah i Chad. wanted to hang out on the quad like i wanted kids to like yell out of their dorm rooms like hey like yeah we're playing an alcohol game you know <laughs> oh an alcohol game i'll be right up <laughs> see you in a second should i bring chips um yeah so i just wanted that and i got that and and then i think i like overcompensated for not having like whatever i thought and really, you know, force myself to do like a ton of study abroads and like rack up credits and intern in a way that like not everyone was. And like, I literally would not be sitting here right now if I didn't make a sort of weird decision mm-hmm. in high school, which is something I I always tell younger people when they're like asking about my path. Cause I'm like, for a while, I was super rigid. But mm-hmm. looking back on it, I, like, you kind of can't mess up. Right. I mean, if you go to jail, you are probably a little bit messing up, but otherwise you kind of can't mess up. What was the transition like for you from, from leaving the school to kind of getting out into the real world? Did you figure out or did you, while you were in school, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? So I think I had that same thing in college that I had in high school where I was sort of always like a little bit aware of like, okay, wait, now I'm itchy. I think, and I, I, overanalyze this but I think Mm -hmm. I get itchy or antsy because of how I grew up like San Francisco New Jersey Mm -hmm. like back and forth back and forth and like went within New Jersey like always to Philly or to see family like back and forth like not not like an army brat but kind of constantly changing um scenery and so I think I do get very much like an itch sooner than others and so I think when I was in college I was aware of like okay but this is not it right like now what like what's bigger what's next right and um and so I did study abroad a lot and during a study abroad I randomly I needed an internship to because I was a um a journalism and mass comm major and we had to have an internship to graduate well what made you choose that as your you know as your focus oh I don't remember I I don't remember I think because in high school I like was super into English class and writing. That must have been it. I mean, okay. obviously. We'll go with that. Super, super into writing. And just, I remember applying to schools with journalism programs. And um, it's funny you mentioned the liberal arts thing because there was a little minute where my mom was like, you could apply to art school. Like, we could get, you could do an art portfolio and get this together. But I was like, what the hell am I going to do as an, in the real world with my art? Right. Like, cause I, I'm not an artist. Like I don't create, <laughs> like I can draw mm-hmm. very well and it's relaxing to me, but I'm not like creating art and I'm pretty realistic about that. Like, I guess I knew that I wanted to go into writing. I don't know that journalism was specifically where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had really cool journalism professors at my, at my university, like just with really like awesome old school, old school experience. Like, like just so like studs turkle style stuff did you ever read any of his stuff pro- i mean I, I don't remember the name but pro- just i mean that's a good name you would probably remember it if you did i'm like it's almost as if i didn't go to school sometimes it's very <laughs> terrifying um look i slept through like i slept through all the screenings in film school i'm still like watching i'm still like re-watching the things that i was shown in film school really oh yeah because well the film like the screening room was like a it was like a womb it's just like a warm womb and just you get in there and you just be like <laughs> I went through a serious sleeping phase in school. Yeah, I wish I could go back to school now. I think I would just consume stuff. Oh, like all a, of it. Talk about being an audience. Like, I would just, like, wouldn't... I'd get kicked out of the class, but um, I interned in... The, it, it sort of... What it did for me was just, like, I was, like, in New York, and I was living in New York for a summer that turned into a semester because I could have graduated early, mm-hmm. and instead I stayed in the city and, like, kept working. And I just think I was, like, for sure... For the first time ever, I felt unantsy. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's because the city is so intense and busy that it like you almost have to you have to become quiet to survive in it. And like maybe that was really calming for me. Mm-hmm. In this in the same way that like we were talking about like having anxiety parties, like sometimes if I'm at like a like a insane like party and like there's like like think of like a college party, like like that type of vibe, like 
people are like so much noise you know like a like a great like 2000s teen movie party oh yeah like i can be really calm in that environment because it's almost like the whole world is being loud for you mm-hmm. and i think that like that's how new york was for me haha <laughs> because now i'm so anxious all the time yeah. but um and i knew that like i wanted to be here i wanted to be part of this and i wanted to be part of that industry but didn't quite know what that meant yet mm. so at the internship did you enjoy working there yeah i enjoyed working and i enjoyed i think i was like very sick of being in school even though i like loved it like i was ready for the next step it was time for phase next and what phase next entering phase next what is that what was that then it was just i just i wanted a job so badly i wanted to be working i was done being a college student i wanted you just wanted any job here in new york i wanted like a professional job i wanted to be like starting like that phase of my life like i wanted to be working on my career and i wanted it to be in the fashion industry but i don't i only think that was because in the way that like a lot of young girls are like i like fashion and like i don't think i know what that meant and I just thought it was, like, this cool thing to, like, be part of. And, yeah, obviously, it seems, like, glamorous and interesting and totally different from what I was doing at school. And I didn't want to be a news journalist. Mm. And I was just, like, I thought it was really a unique way to be creative in a way that wasn't, like, this, like, art school thing. And that I had never appealed to me. And so, but I think going through the motions in that, I was sort of, like, okay, there's there are very in any industry, right? There are very smart people in this industry and there are very vapid people Mm -hmm. and you can choose to align yourself with either side. And it was really important to me to like err on the side of interesting thoughts and, you know, like a smart ways to approach whatever we were doing. And, um, I think that's sort of like what drew me to Leandra because she was like funny and weird and wasn't, your stereotypical TV, you know, idea of what the fashion industry is. And where did you guys meet? At that, at the internship. Okay. And, um, but like, but I think, um, from there I was sort of exposed to this world of like, you can be, you know, all these very smart women who work in magazines. And at the time, like for me, like magazine was like, you know, that's where you went. Like you wanted to go to print. Like that was Mm -hmm. like God. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, my first job out of school was like, a, I, I had interned at Vogue for a while. Oh, wow. And How was that? Ama- amazing. Like, I know people had bad experiences, but I feel like I owe so much to that place, like to the people who I worked for. They were incredible. I definitely, you know, I wasn't like a fashion closet intern, which some people, that's a very different experience. Like I was working on the market side and I was like really doing things and was like, or felt like I was and was participating. And was there a moment where, where everything kind of clicked and you were like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. This, like, is what I want. this is where I want to be. I think my, um, my bosses at the time, you know, I was, this, I worked in a, in a department where I was, I had two bosses and they were like this one important woman's two assistants. It wasn't Anna, but, um, <laughs> but it was, again, it was like on the fashion market side and you know, so they are gathering all the stuff for shoots and, it's, and it's totally like, it's such like a logistical stressful job because you're dependent on if you can get a dress from like Germany and it's so stressful, but they went to, um, one, they, maybe they were both on vacation. I have no idea. Somehow I had like a day or a week or something of like doing their job cause they were gone. And clearly it was during like a slow, I don't know, but I was allowed to do their job for like mm-hmm. a few days. And I was just like, yes, like, moving and shaking and just felt like I was like getting stuff off the table. Like I work, I wish today I had that, like was working that efficiently. And I just was like really satisfied. And you know, everyone was like really thankful and kind. And I like could see what I was doing and like literally translating to the magazine. And I was so cool. And I, so that right there, I was just like, this is a world I want to be part of. And you know, then I worked on a photo shoot with Grace Coddington and that was literally like devil wears Prada style. Like, or you're just like, I can't believe this actually happens. Like, I can't believe I'm on set with these people, with these mm-hmm. models, with these clothes, and like with this like energy. And it's such a parody of itself in like a great way. Yeah. You know, people being like, you know, like we need more. It was. I still. It's a pretty like important issue. I think it was like Grace Coddington's like. This is funny. Her punk, the punk issue. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I got this. Yeah. I was like, don't worry. Did you guys know I was a punk in New Jersey? In yeah. The I 90s? was like, oh, you guys need some uh, like. <laughs> You guys need any like hardware related jewelry? <laughs> um, but 
it was so like you know but it was like we need more chains and yeah. wear the thousandth pair of black boots and it was it's energizing mm-hmm. now it's draining but <laughs> it was energizing and then from there i you know had jobs in pr that i wasn't super happy with and then i went to uh, wait, wait let's not let's go over that for oh, a second I thought you, you were, wanted to oh. like skip over that oh i thought you were getting bored so i was trying to speed no, up no 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 don't um, um i so i so that was I, pr fashion pr was yeah you working at? that seems like a real tough racket man so hard so i i worked at i was interning at vogue after uh graduation and like interest like i think i was like a non-matriculating grad student or however i rigged that was it a kind of thing where you're just like look i'll take any kind of job that i can i really truly felt that i wasn't prepared to apply for or have a job yet like i i don't know what i was expecting but i looked around and i was like my competition are people who have gone to school in the city and they've been interning since freshman year at every magazine i couldn't i knew that i couldn't like talk the talk or any of it like it like it was a weird amount of time before I learned that like Carl Lagerfeld designed for Chanel and not like Chanel. I don't know. There's no Mr. Chanel. Yeah. I just like, I, <laughs> or Mrs. Chanel. No, or Mrs. Yeah. I was on a delay. Like I, um, because I, I mean in, again, in college I was like, yeah, I like fashion, but like in the same way that like, no, you like clothes and yeah. you like shopping. Well, was there a rude awakening? Was there like a moment where you're like, where you kind of like had it handed to you where you're just like, oh, whoa, I need to kind of step it up a little bit. Totally. I mean, outwardly, I hope, God, I hope. Not in college. Not in college because I had an embarrassing fashion column at my school's music, like, zine that Uh I was the editor-in-chief of, The Buzz. And uh, it was so embarrassing. And, like, for sure there I was like, oh, what? Like, I, oh, my God, I thought I knew everything. But I think the second I hit ground in New York City, I was like, you know nothing. Stand on the side. Mm -hmm be quiet and learn. Like I was just like ready to learn. I think I pray in my mind, looking back, I was pretty humble and didn't try to be a know at all. Cause I knew I just instantly knew I was like, you know, nothing. Right. Um, but in like a really exciting way, not in, not in an exhausting way. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's just like, just, you, you know, you're a sponge. You just want to soak it up. This is like what you've been waiting for for so long. Yeah. You know, I think that kind of gives you a little bit of an edge maybe towards the people that have just like, I'm going to do this like all four years. I'm going to work everywhere. Like I'm going to have all these opportunities. You got a little bit more something to prove. I did. And I had an internship. I can't figure out how this plays in. When I first got, okay, here's, I'll try and do this trajectory quickly. Sure. When I first graduated, I had an internship at a company called black frame and they do their, that's a fashion PR Mm -hmm. company and they do Redarte. And at the time they had a band of outsiders Mm. and they, they do like they also do like the restaurant and um and like nightlife scene a little bit but like on this in like a very cool scale i can't tell you all the cl- but really cool i don't even know how i got that that was a fluke like i applied online this was a job or an internship an internship yeah. i applied online because i was just like new after my internship that i'd had that summer i knew graduating that i wasn't ready yet to have the job i wanted so i applied for internships and i applied at this place black frame and i it got it actually because I vibed with my interviewer on music and um, she and I are still very friendly to this day. That's great. And um, she like just was like, yeah, cool. Cause she wasn't like a fashion girl either. So I interned there and I, I started to learn about like who like names to know, like important people in the industry as far as like editors and photographers, like slowly and then, and stylists, then a boss there, got me the internship at Vogue and yeah, I wanted a job at this point. I was like, I, this is so embarrassing. Like my friends have jobs and I don't, but I got an internship at Vogue cause I was like, you don't say no to that. I kept that for like, I, I think it was like September to January. Mm-hmm. And then, fr- and that was like, oh, those after school. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was my boot camp. Like that was where I learned everything really in my mind. And then from there, they helped me, get a job they like were looking out for me hard that's really cool i'm telling you they're awesome and i even applied for a job there and i had like the worst interview of my life and it's still like it's such a funny story what happened i talk about that was a moment of being cocky i think i got put up for that job it was in the beauty department and um i think i was just sort of like i got put up for a job 
evoke. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got this. Like, I have this. And my interview with HR went super well. And like, you know, the girl and I were like laughing. And then she brought me downstairs and it was like, boom. And I got, the woman was a hard interviewer. Like, sh- and she was asking great questions. I mean, like looking back on it, I was like, she was so mean. But like, no, she was like, asking what you need to know and I think I just like got caught off guard thrown off my game I hadn't prepared in like yeah. for sure in a way you should and um would yeah. you remember like a sample question that you like Leandra always makes fun of me for this what I'm like so it? embarrassed to say it please tell me she I won't even sound that funny but it maybe it will um do you know who Patrick de Marchelier is mm-hmm. I've heard the name okay like in that scene Devil Wears Prada she's always like I have Patrick on the phone Patrick and he's like an important fashion photographer and he always shoots for Vogue and um, then Patrick McMullen, do you, that he's a party photographer okay. with like a company like BFA. Oh boy, I see where this is going. Yep. And so she said, "Who are some of your favorite photographers?" And I was like, "Oh, I really like Patrick McMullen. I just think like what he captures is you know like blah 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 some like bullshit on the artwork of of Patrick Demarchelier, Gay, which I didn't even like. I was still pulling that out of my ass, you know. Yeah. But I was. Met, I thought I was talking about Patrick Demarchelier this whole time I'm talking about Patrick McMullen and she stops me and she was like she was like really like hit the party photos so I'm like okay I got that I was like and I was like oh my god maybe there was like this like genre that I never saw and I was like well you know I just think like behind the scenes is so interesting like I BS'd but oh and failed failed and uh, I don't know I heard rumor that I like did great on my edit test but I always just was like this woman thinks I'm an idiot and then I saw her I obviously did not get the job but I had I finished my internship there mm-hmm. and every time I saw her I don't know what I was always carrying something and always just dropped it every time I saw her so she, I was like this girl or this woman probably thinks this she girl just is just scared like, you and made you drop things no I just like had accidents all the time by accident yeah. whenever she saw me and I was like she probably just thinks I'm like a nutcase <laughs> with butterfingers who like yeah I don't know I'm probably like oh there's Patrick McMullen girl <laughs> oh you like Patrick McMullen's art fo- yeah. photographs <laughs> although now I could probably make the case for that <laughs> like if I was like an art student at Columbia whatever sure anyway they helped me get a job and I it was at this company called PR Consulting and same thing. I had very cool brands, but like you said, I just was not cut out for the PR industry. I wasn't happy. I, um, yeah, I just, it was not for me at all. I knew I wanted to be in writing at that point and I missed magazines. And then I had a little stint at Ralph Lauren. And then from there through some old contacts at Vogue, actually, I heard, they told me and put me up for this job at New York magazine. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And so I Doing went, what? uh, uh, so I, my, I guess my title was fashion assistant. Okay. And so I went in to the interview and I remember everything. Like it was super rainy that day. New York magazine is on Varrican canal and it was, it's kind of like a depressing corner just because it's like, I guess it's where it's right sh- by the tunnel. Yeah. yeah. And I got off like a weird way. It was just like so much traffic and rain. And I just was like, I'm too old to not have a job. I was wearing all black and I go into this, into, um, this magazine, I was totally like starstruck and geeking out because all I used to read was New York Magazine. So the only magazine I subscribed to. I was like, I could tell you everything. And um, I was totally freaking out. And I went in for this interview and like basically my life changed. Like they, I got the job. I got more responsibility than I knew what to do with. I met incredible people and like had the best experience of my life. And then I learned so much and I think I grew a lot. And then from, and I, and what was really important for me at New York magazine, like if Vogue established that I wanted to be in the fashion industry and that these were like strong, important women as Mm -hmm. sort of like cheesy as that sounds or platitudinal, like these women who were like, like that magazine is like run by like boss women, you know, like if I saw that, then I went to New York magazine and I saw these people who were like funny and like so intimidatingly smart and with like so many interests beyond fashion and I was like oh my god it's okay to like maybe want to talk about stuff other than fashion too like that was like very important for me to be like because you can get stuck on this path of being like no you're in fashion now and like you're gonna work in fashion you're supposed to love it like the love for it can fade and I think at New York Magazine was very reassuring to be like, look, you can also eventually write about, like, anything you want. Right. So long as, like, 
you're saying it well. And then around that time, I think once I was sort of tapping out of my position at New York Magazine, just because... How long was that? Um, a year and a half. It's oh. a small team there, and you can only, like, you know, like, no one shifts like yeah there's i mean there's also like high turnover at a lot of magazines too yeah i mean in the fashion department in New York, like i think my old boss is still she's been there for a while and the director has been there for years and years and years and years and years but that position like the assistant position it's hard you Turns can't over, you can't yeah. be an assistant forever right i would have because i was so in love with the people um but around that time leandra needed someone and that's when i went and worked for her had you guys been friends Sorry, the entire time so long for you no 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 she and i she stayed one of my best friends from the moment i met her through all of it i mm-hmm. think she was like one person that i was like this she's genuine like she doesn't she doesn't have an angle like she's so she was like yeah she's a rare bird yeah for sure of like the greatest quality yeah but yeah so we were friends the whole time and i watched man repeller grow yeah that's the thing so so how far along was it when she asked you to come on board uh, three years because we just had our five year anniversary and I've been there for two years okay. so somewhere in this three year flux I when I was in when I was about to graduate college the New York she had started it and the New York Times article had come out that okay. first one and w- it was just her for a really long time by herself so right? long and then I remember I was at a, a maybe my second round of fashion week at NY mag. And I met Charlotte, the old okay. girl I used to yeah. take pictures and stuff. Um, yeah. And I remember being like, what you have an, an, an employee? Like what? Was, and they I think they were still working from her home. Yeah. So what were those first few months? Like when you were working there, <laughs> Leandra always laughs. I was not a writer. Like, uh, I don't know why she thought I could write. She says like she saw, she like knew that I, I, I had written stuff, but I don't know how she felt comfortable bringing me on to write mm-hmm. for Man Repeller. Um, if you look back like deep, 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 deep in the deepest of archives, hmm. there's this, there's an article that I wrote that's so dumb about red lipstick. It's like 10 posts in. It's so dumb. Well, why did you want to go over there and work with her? I wanted to write. I like realized like, okay, I'm ready to do that now. And, um, but I like, didn't know how to go about it. I was like, how do you start being a writer? Do you think, do you think her kind of saying like, Hey, do you want to come write for me? That, that kind of maybe boosted your confidence a little bit and allowed you to grow. I guess I really, for sure. The first couple of months there was like, she like definition of imposter syndrome. Like I was mm-hmm. like, she's going to figure out that like, I'm an idiot and I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember really clearly like, that first day, like she, as she and I and when Charlotte was there too we sat at this table like in her closet basically or her, their, her office at her apartment and she had just moved in with Amy and I like had my laptop and I was like so like what do we do and she's like you write and I was like what like about what and she was like I don't know something <laughs> what happened to you this weekend and so I wrote this story this like really awkward thing that happened to me like on Snapchat like when Snap, no one knew what Snapchat was mm-hmm. And I wrote about that, and then I was like, okay, I don't know, I did it. Like, that's my one story. Like, I don't have any more. And she was like, you'll be fine. Like, just keep, you have to just keep writing. Like, stuff keeps happening. We were producing so much less back then, and like, we weren't on a schedule, you know. Were you guys still struggling as a site? Uh, Not saying that nobody ever stopped struggling, but like, was there rocky moments at that time? uh, No, there weren't rocky moments. Like, we were very clearly in this transition of like growing. Like, the site right before I started was, like, getting ready for a makeover mm-hmm. or, like, to launch the new face. This sounds weird, but I don't really think I, like, got what we were doing at first. I was like, yeah, I'm working from a friend's website. Like, I don't think I got it, as weird as that sounds. Was like, there I, a moment where it kind of all started making sense? Where it felt real? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I just – I spent the first couple of months seriously being terrified that I would never have another story to write. And then I think – you know, once you start getting comments, you're like, oh, my God, I better not fuck this up. Like, people are reading this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still have moments where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to hit publish. Uh, but I think... Do you think that helps your writing? Kind of like, because just to go back thinking about, you know, that moment when you were went into that job interview and you were overly confident in that. Yeah. 
do you think that that your you know the, your approach works? I apologize for the sun in your face. No, it's beautiful. Um, Being hum- humble, I don't think in life can ever hurt you. I think it's something I value in people, and I it's something I hope to. It sounds so cheesy right now. I hope to to never get too big for my britches, which has happened to me in the literal sense at a horse show, and I split my pants. <laughs> I, no, I just, but I think, um, to be completely honest, I actually sometimes wish I was like less aware of the comments. Like if I were writing a book and I was never going to see people writing underneath each page, mm-hmm. I'd probably sound a little different. Right. Like I'm probably like very aware of, um, you know, perception, perception yeah. and be, you know, how I sound and what I'm saying, but that's important. Like it's not, my, I talk about this with my dad a lot and, and Leandra, I guess actually, you know, like there's freedom of speech is really important and necessary, but at the same time, like when you're writing for a website with a specific audience, you have a responsibility to make that audience be included. Mm. You know, to me, one of the hardest things is, you know, I've made some missteps, definitely, you know, working with friends before it can be a very tough thing, but when it works, it's, there's nothing better than it. What has been your experience, you know, working so closely with such a good friend of yours? It is definitely, I don't think I could do with anyone else. Like, there's some weird, like, shift in the universe that, like, let this happen. I get along with everyone, Mm -hmm. but this is a unique relationship. It was not easy, or easy is not the right word. We, I never had a moment where I was like, I never had a moment where I was like, this is going to affect our friendship. I always knew that this was going to work. Also, I think because Leandra was so confident that this was going to work. Like I just fed off of her trust and I was like, yeah, I mean, if she thinks so, then yeah. I, I, um, you believed in her and what she wanted to do? hundred percent. Like I, I only ever doubted like that people, I didn't understand why people would care what I had to say. Uh, but I never doubted that she kind of knew what she was doing. Mm. Um, and, and she was so confident that like we would work well together. So I was like, I guess we, yeah, yeah, we totally will. And I think it's important that I don't want to be, I never wanted to be like the other man repeller, you know? Um, I didn't want to be like man repeller and like horse girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty good, that could be a good animated series, right? Mm -hmm. Man repeller and horse girl. Yeah. What do you wish you would... Is there something that you wished you would have known a long time ago that <laughs> well, you know now? What, um, just like the Rod Stewart Faces song? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a deep, deep, deep reference right there. Deep. I, I mean, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody does. I'm just curious of what yours is. Well, like whenever... I, I, and it's funny, it goes back, it kind of goes back to like stress, I guess. I just always wish I could, I was such a stressed out little kid and teen and at every stage of my life, like this weekend, like I always wish I could go back to my, like to that moment and be like, dude, it's fine. Like you don't die and like the world doesn't explode and your parents still love you and you have friends. Like, I, like and I and I always when I get into these, like my my mom calls them future tripping, where you start freaking out about what's gonna happen and mm-hmm. like you like spiral in, um, like these like hypothetical situations that could get worse and Very worse. Very San Francisco term. Oh God, I'm sure. I'm sorry. You, I I have been on a good behavior with my vocabulary. <laughs> you should see some of the stuff I could pull out there. Hella. Ayurvedic medicine. Oh he- hella, I could have dropped that early. Um, but I just always wish I could go back and be like, it, like, just, it's fine. Chill out. Like, I don't know how to implement that. But, but what, sorry. No, I just, I, I, that's on a broader scale. You mean like specific, like a specific No, 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 that's fine. If that's, that, that, that's how you answer the question. Like, well that, and, and like, I feel like such a, like a dad or something when I say this, but like, I, all, I probably partially because of that, I often, I'm definitely someone who's like, well, in these five steps, then X. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that's why I look back on San Francisco with sort of this, like, happy but sad, like, nostalgia of, like, oh, man, like, I wish I really, like, like 
explored that city mm-hmm. like almost like even took advantage of it and then like in college I look back on it and sometimes I'm like I wish I wasn't so excited to start working like I wish I like felt less guilty about my naps and I yeah. wish I like went out that dumb night that I stayed in right you know right but yeah I just you know be in the moment man <laughs> like it sounds so lame but it's true what do you think makes all of this worth it <laughs> Ooh, Jay, with the sun setting and that question. Mm. Um, what do I think makes all this worth it? Like life or just like this, you know, even just you know the word to me. I guess like you know uh, the way I would answer that question would be like the what what makes all the stress and all the stuff that I put myself through to do the work that I do. That's how I would take that question, but that's just me. Like it can you know. No, for sure. I mean, I think there's a few layers. Um. I think I'm someone who's like just not not going to be satisfied until I feel like I really did something. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think that that's always been part of the itch and like I'm really confident that like we're doing something, not quite sure what that is, but sometimes we get these emails. We get them in comments too, but like sometimes we get these emails from kids that are just like I had the worst year of my life and like was really down and like I didn't know what to do and like I I don't know my boyfriend broke up with me and like I, I didn't have any friends and it sounds like you know your typical stuff that like kind of everyone goes through but like when they tell us that we got them through it mm-hmm. or when I get an email it's like I laugh my ass off because of you today sort of amid all this like shitty news that like where I mean god the world can be so depressing yeah every day just open a computer, right? And, or walk outside. And, um, and because of that, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, like, like, should I be reporting on, you know, the news and like what's happening? And like, should I like be make, like really trying to make a difference? But, you know, then we get these emails and I'm like, wow, I feel like I just made a difference. I know that sounds so cheesy. No, no, no. It's just, you know, they're coming all different. Yeah. Weights. And I think knowing what it was like growing up as a girl, Right. I mean, for everyone, everyone has their own experience, but like, you know, you have these like awkward moments of like, am I normal? And the answer is no, you're totally fucking weird. And I think that man repeller is like, yeah. And like you are, and you are, and you are, and we all are, and that's okay. And like, I just think that that's important. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's a good place to end it. Okay. A million diamond. Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much. This is so fun. This was great. (laughs) 